Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Aria Church, how we doing? Feeling good? Production team up the back, how are you? These are the real Christians, man. First in, last out. These are all going to be living in like mansions in heaven. We'll kind of be in like, you know, a different neighborhood, um, which, is, which is cool. How awesome is Azaria? How cool is Azaria? Isn't she awesome? You know, when I was chatting to you before the service, and you can, you can take this whatever way you want, I just felt pastor. Honestly, when you were, and I don't know if it's from a volunteer perspective in the future, I'm not sure, but she was telling me, oh, I was like, how long have you been at church? She's like, well, we painted the place. (laughs) I was like, right. And then she's like, I've been on production team, I've been on this team. And as you were telling me everything where you've served, I just felt like it's like almost like God's prepping you. Like you've got knowledge of every part of church. And who knows, R8 Church is going to need more campuses pretty soon in the future. Because I think Northern Ireland, Ireland... The world in general really needs more churches like our church. Do you believe that? Because we got something special here. And it's a cool name too. Because see, when you Google R8, there's no other churches called R8. It just comes straight up on YouTube. I have to admit, when I first heard it, I just thought, Audi, R8. And I went, well, it is Craig Avon. They love their cars down there, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's like driving people closer to Jesus with a V60 turbo. Um, and then Phil was like, no, it means resurrection life. And I'm like, right, that makes so much more sense. That's way, way better. <laughs> and uh, it's awesome. And yet we've been loving coming to church here. Three things me and my wife noticed when we came to R8 that just blew us away. First thing was this. It's really hard to leave after the service. <laughs> Everyone genuinely wants to have a conversation with you. And I know that may seem normal to you guys, but a lot of churches, that's not so normal. Um, and we loved it because everyone was just like, hey, what are you guys up to? Like, and I said to Phil the other week before he uh, went away on holiday, we were up the back and I looked across the whole auditorium and I was like, Phil, look at that. Everyone's just chatting. Everyone's just hanging out. That's church, man. And we noticed that and we were like, even when you need to leave actually pretty quickly, you still can't leave. You know, you have to say to people, look, I really have to go. Um, <laughs> Mom's expecting us here for Sunday lunch which is awesome. The second thing we noticed was the emphasis on the next generation, which um, I'm a dad now of two months, which has been the best thing, hence why I've had two coffees this morning already, and uh, I'm a little bit shaky because I'm uh, very highly caffeinated, and we noticed a massive emphasis on the next generation, which to us was just amazing. There was one Sunday, you guys had all the kids up here, and I just turned to my wife and went, how awesome is that? Like, what a church that They put such an emphasis on the next generation. And the third thing we noticed, and probably the most important, was the leadership. If I'm being honest, uh, Phil and Anna. And um, we we just honestly love Phil and Anna. We think they're the most amazing people. Are you not thankful to have pastors that are passionate, have vision, sold out for the call of God, People, people, <laughs> they actually like people. That's, that's always a plus when it comes to pastors. And um, we just love Phil and Anna, honestly. And we're so glad to be in R8. We're so glad to have found R8, to be sitting under awesome leadership. I remember when we first came in as well, I was like, you know when you're trying to suss everything out? I was like, okay, I know Phil, he's the pastor, the big, tall, good-looking, rugby-looking guy. Um, okay, and then, so what, we're trying to, and I was like, I saw this girl on the camera, and then she was on production, she was here. I was like, 
I think that's the first lady. I, th- I think that's the pastor's wife. And I said, that's Anna. And I was like, how awesome are Phil and Anna? And I just think, I know they're maybe watching, or they'll probably watch later. If they are watching, I hope you're by the pool and you have a pina colada or something in your hand enjoying, non-alcoholic, of course. And um, why don't we show our appreciation for our pastors? Because honestly, I think they're, they're awesome. And leadership matters, man. Like, what happens at the top trickles down. And the fact that we have such an awesome culture and church, it's, um, it's all credit to, to you guys, of course, and the team, but um, also Phil and Anna, which is amazing. A little bit about myself. If you're wondering who's this rando who's just jumped up on stage. Um, my name's Ryan. I'm originally from Lisburn, unfortunately, but uh, we love it. We love it. <laughs> and I spent five years in Australia, five years in London. Been doing ministry for the past five years over in London, just before we decided to come home for a little bit. Me and my wife, and now my beautiful daughter, Sophia. So we live just up the road, and we're so pumped being back in NI, loving it, loving being part of church. So this is the first time I've preached in, since COVID. So the last time, I've done some online stuff, but the last time I've been up here on like a platform was I think the last Sunday before everything shut down. So if I'm a little bit rusty, have grace, we'll get there. But I'm excited to share with you today. Can I pray quickly and then we'll get stuck in? Yeah? Awesome. It's going to be a long prayer, so just brace yourself. Lord, we love you. Come here today and do what you do. Amen. Awesome. Let's do this. Okay, I asked for the stool. I told you I wasn't going to use it. I can't sit. I can't sit. Today I want to talk about a pretty important um, faith lesson. I think it's probably one of the most important that we can learn, if I'm being honest. It's not like a super, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like a super sexy topic. Can I say that in church? You're not going to leave being like, whoa, like I feel awesome. It's, but I think it's a necessary topic. And uh, for me, it's been one of, the mo- one of the most forming lessons that God has taught me over my years of being a Christian. And it's a message that I just feel is so poignant to where we're at as the church after COVID. <laughs> and uh, where we're at as a church here in R8 because, like I said earlier, I really do believe, hope, and pray that there's so much more of what we see here all over the country in the future. Of course, this will grow. This will get bigger. When God's doing something, you cannot stop it. Um, but also believing that there'll be other aureates across the place, and I think this is just a message that is kind of sort of going to get us ready for that, if that's all right. And also, I'm believing it will speak to your personal life, your heart, and your circumstance. So before we continue, where's uh, all my gym junkies? Any gym fanatics in the, in the house today? Couple? Yeah, you definitely are, bro. You're, you're stacked, man. You are stacked. Um, well, look, I, when we came back to NI back in March... I missed my Northern Irish food, and I overindulged a little bit, right? Went a little bit too heavy on the salted chili chicken in the Chinese, staple Northern Irish food right there. Went a bit too heavy on the Ulster fries. I noticed that I started getting a little bit, getting a little bit big. I was like, you know what, I need to go to the gym. Otherwise, and I know some of you guys maybe go to the gym to look good. I literally go to the gym so I can eat. It's the only reason I go to the gym, just so I can, I can level myself off. It's not about holiday, it's just about maintenance. And um, I started going to this thing called CrossFit. Anyone heard of CrossFit? One of my CrossFit buddies, Tim, I don't know if he's here, but uh, in R8, 
goes to CrossFit. And CrossFit's a wee bit of an anomaly. It's a wee bit weird. So my mate, he runs a CrossFit gym. He's like, Ryan, come down. Like, we'd love to have you. You're going to love it. So they have a 5.30 class and a 6.30 class, a.m., a.m., not p.m. And uh, I don't know who goes to the 5.30 class, a bunch of mad, like probably need to be in some sort of government watch list type people. <laughs> but I was like, I'll do the 6.30, because I know if I get to the end of the workday and I start relaxing, I'm never going to any of your evening class, so go to the 6.30. So I rock up to the 6.30, and of course, the 5.30 class is finishing. And you walk in, guys, right? And no joke, there's just bodies all over the floor. Just put, and there's like maybe like one person on the bike, like, like, like screaming. The coach is like in their face, like, finish it, finish it. And there's just bodies on the floor, right? And I'm like, what, what's, I'm, my mate Briggsy, I'm like, mate, what are you running here? This is, this is mad, right? What, and I'm, not, I'm not joking. I know I'm trying to tell an illustrative story, but I'm not joking. And so you walk in, all the 6.30 classes just sitting looking, terrified, freaking out. And everyone's sitting there going, flip, mate. Oh, I'm not looking forward to this, man. And I'm like, and you come every, every, every day and pay for this. Pay for this trauma. Pay to look at people just collapsed on the floor. So anyway, I, I do the class. I collapsed on the floor. And um, afterwards, I was driving home. You know the way people say you get an endorphin hit after the gym? No, no endorphins, just trying not to vomit the whole way home. Um, and I kept going. And um, after a while, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, my wife's like, hello, shoulders. I'm like, oh. Well, you know, you know, it's, it's nothing really. And you know, what once, you know, was maybe a conversation about the price of the gym, all of a sudden, you know, my wife's like, babe, it's your health. You know, you, can, you cannot put a price on your well-being. Just keep going back. And so I kept going for a while, and um, I said to one of the guys, like, it never seemed to get easier. And in CrossFit, you got three tiers. You got people that wear T-shirts. They're the novices. You got the people who wear vest tops. They're like the medium kind of getting there. And the people with their tops off, the lads, they are like the pros. So I asked one of the guys, he always has his top off. I was like, bro, does this ever get any better? And he goes, no, but you just do it anyway. Because you keep doing it and you start to see your life transformed. You just do it anyway. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is Do It Anyway. Everybody say, Do It Anyway. Nice. And the reality is, this is a prime component of your faith as a Christian. Jesus had a massive, huge Do It Anyway moment. Huge. When we preach the gospel, we focus on the cross and the resurrection. Of course, that's, that's the main part. But I always love looking at what happened before. Because if Jesus is saying to you and he's saying to me that you're going to carry a cross, that you're going to have, you're going to live a life and there's going to be things to overcome. You're going to have to combat things, but I'm with you. I got your back. That's why I sent the Holy Spirit, right? Well, I want to know, well, Jesus, what did you do before you carried your cross? I want to get into that moment and I want to see, I want to know what he did because if we're going to do it, I want to see what he did. And Jesus had a few do it anyway moments. So jump in with me. This is across um, three books of the gospel. We're going to read from Matthew, but I'll cross-reference a little bit from Luke and Mark. It's not in John, which is funny. John left it out because John was one of the two guys that fell asleep. He's like, I'm just going to leave that out 
that part of my, when I'm writing my gospel, I'm just going to leave that out. I'll focus on my positives. John's the man. When you read the gospel of John, you'll see how he rolls. It's pretty cool. Um, but let's jump in. And I'm going to start actually just before. So we're going to jump in at Matthew 26, verses 26 to 30. And this is the Last Supper. So just before Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. This is communion. We're actually going to do this later. He's, he's telling us, his disciples and us, like, remember, have this moment. Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day I drink it with, I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's kind of cool. There's going to be wine in heaven. Just reference point there. Jesus says, and then it says, when they sung a hymn, they went out. They went out to the Mount of Olives. Cross reference with Luke. Jesus says, before I suffer, I would like to have this meal with you. So Jesus knows what's about to go down. Like in case, just, just to bring context, like he knows he's about to go and suffer. And he says, I want to have this meal with you, this Passover meal, this meal remembering what God done in Egypt, that when we put the blood of the lamb over our doorposts, that the angel of death passed by, we're sitting here remembering that God delivered us from captivity. How symbolic was that, considering he was about to be the lamb sacrificed the blood that when we apply it to us spiritually, that death can never touch us. I, lo- I love the details of the Bible, so I'm a Bible nerd. Uh, no apologies. And it's interesting, so Jesus knows what's about to go down. And then we fast forward a little bit. Peter, Peter and Jesus have a conversation. Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him a few times. And then we jump on, and Phil actually read from this scripture a few weeks back. Now we're in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So Jesus is starting to feel the weight of what he's about to do. Have you ever, have you ever been nervous before something? Like a school play or like even like a first date or something, you know, like, and you get nerves. You're feeling the weight of the situation you're about to step into, aren't you? Well, Jesus is feeling the weight of the sin of the whole world. <laughs> His soul is overwhelmed to the point, like, sorry, let me read it out. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We cross-reference again with, um, sorry, with Luke, I believe. And it says that, and Phil talked about this the other week as well, that drops of blood were dripping from him, sweat. We know now that that's a disease caused by intense, intense anxiety and stress. So he's feeling that weight, right? He says, going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Pause. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus is having a moment where he's going, I don't know if I can do this. God, if you can take it, would you? That's beautiful. 
Because that's Jesus giving us a glimpse into his humanity. Going before us, conquering the human side of his flesh so we can. Because watch what he does next. Yet not as I will, but you will. Then he returned, found his disciples sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so you've not fallen into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's like me when I go to Nando's. The spirit is willing. I'm going to get a salad, but the flesh is weak. I get a whole chicken. And then he went away a second time and prayed. He said, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Beautiful. When he came back, he found him sleeping. The other two gospels, Mark and Luke, say similar stuff. A couple of differences. In Luke, it mentions that after he prays, the Lord sends an angel to strengthen him. And in Mark, he says a phrase, he says, everything is possible for you. You could take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you. Jesus has a do it anyway moment because he's sitting on his knees, feeling the weight. His humanity and his emotions go, I don't know if I can do this. But it, he has a few moments before and he gets up off that floor and he walks and carries out the greatest moment in human history. It's super relevant because we're all going to have moments. You're going to have moments where you're going to feel the weight. You're going to have to do something significant for God, for your life, for your family. I'm not just talking about big events. I'm talking about wee things. And you're going to be able to reflect on this scripture because these are the moments that matter. Who knows the cross mattered? And maybe you didn't feel like it, but it was necessary. And you're going to have moments in your life that matter. And you're not going to feel like it, but it's going to be necessary for you to get up off your knees and go and do what you know you need to do. Maybe you're in here today and you don't know Jesus. He's been knocking on the door of your heart and you know you need to do it. But we're going to talk about that a bit later. But I want to take a little bit, look, a bit more depth in these scriptures. The three things that Jesus did, three do it anyway moments that he did before he went to the cross. And I believe we can apply these to our life, to our day to day. Are you up for that? Yeah? Production, you up for it? Yeah. Hey! Let's go. Point number one, you ready? Jesus praised anyway. He praised anyway. He sat with his friends. They had a meal where they talked about God, even though he knew he was going to suffer. And it says at the end of that scripture that they sung a hymn. Wow. Does that not, does that not just give you goosebumps? I'm like, our Lord and Savior knew what was about to happen. And he sat, had a meal where he glorified God, the Passover. They remembered the things God had done. And then they sung a hymn. And then he went to the cross. Quick story, I've got what's called a praising granny. Has anyone else got a praising granny? My granny's not with us anymore, but, and I come from a pretty non-Christian background. I never went to church growing up, apart from funerals or weddings. Um, and so my granny, like, kind of, you know, towards the end of her life, sort of encountered Jesus. It was interesting. And it's weird, because I was still in Northern Ireland at the time, but she never really tried to evangelize, but... My granny had a bit of a rough life, and towards the end, when my grandfather passed away, we were totally gutted. 
But in a way, we were kind of relieved from my granny because she had been my granddad's care for a long time. And we, like, if you know me, my, my granny and grand are like my heroes. Like, I love them. And uh, whenever, whenever my grandfather passed away, it was so tough. But we were like, oh, well, you know, we're going to take granny and show her, show her the world, you know. Like, she was never, ever really able to travel that much. So we're going to take her to all these places. But a few years after that, she got a pretty severe disease called fibrosis that kind of just ate away at her lungs. And it was awful. I kind of watched her deteriorate over time and, and get thinner, and she was just on constant oxygen tanks, and her teeth, or sorry, her, her lips were going blue. Like, that's how severe it was. And I, I never knew this, but my granny was actually attending church at the time. I was just out floating about, doing my own thing, just obsessed with me as a 19, 20-year-old. Um, and then I went away, got saved, came back, and my mom was telling me the story about my granny going to church. And she was going... Ryan, your granny made me take her to church every Sunday when she was ill. She made me wheel her in. Now, bear in mind, my mom doesn't go to church. So my mom and her, her boyfriend would take my granny down. And she was like, you wheel me up to the front. <laughs> we Elam church off of Donegal Road, South Belfast. You wheel me up the front in her oxygen tanks. And my mom, my mom said she would wheel her up the front. And my mom would go to the back. We're away for lunch. We're away to lunch. All right, all right. And my mom would just watch what my granny would do. And she said, as the band would start to play, she would just start lighting up, start clapping, start singing, start praising God. I tell that story with such pride. I'm like, that's my granny. I love that. And she would sit there praising God. And I'm like, and my mom says she had a conversation with my granny once and I'm probably paraphrasing because mom told me this a few years back, but the gist of the conversation is this. Like, mom, you've had a really rough life. Like, how are you not, I guess, over life? And my granny's response was, oh, darling, come on. I've met Jesus. I know God now. I'm so happy. And I love that story because my granny had every reason not to want to praise God. She had every reason to be bitter with life. But she was like, you wheel me up the front. You get me in front of those wor that worship team, I'm going to praise God anyway. The thing is, my granny had everything taken away from her. She knew it was only a matter of time before she went to be with the Lord. So she had no distractions. What's the main things that stops us praising God? External stuff. Pride. Too much going on in my head. Routine's too busy. My granny had all that stripped away. And for her, the best thing of the week was getting into church and praising God. We don't need to go through something like that to, to put that into practice. We can strip away the external. David does it so well. David tells his soul off. You know when you come into church, you don't feel like praising God? You're over it. You've had a rough year. You've had a rough two years. You've had a rough day. Life hasn't been good to you. Well, David was in that position. And in the Psalms, he goes, hey, start speaking to his soul. Your soul is where all those emotions, all those feelings come from. David goes, hey, hey, enough. I'll yet praise the Lord. Wake up my soul and praise the Lord. Why? Because we should. There's a Jewish practice. It's called a bracha. My Hebrew's not great. That was a, an attempt. And it's, it's, it's just wee prayers. 
we like we prayers throughout the day. Um, they even have one for going to the toilet. <laughs> and it's, it's thanking God for having a healthy body, a functional body. It goes, thank you, Lord, that I have a functional body. And I know that's a bit, yeah, but still, I love it. Since, since I found out about them, I, I, I love them. I, I don't get religious about it, but, uh, but I love praying them. And it's a simple prayer. And if you've watched the, the series, The Chosen, online, you know that, that story, you'll see them do it in that. They go, oh, Lord, King of the universe, I thank you for and, you know, it's maybe the fruit of the vine, it's, uh, it's family, it's, it's this. I love it because it brings things alive. See, when I get my coffee in the morning, I go, Oh, Lord, King of the universe, thank you for creating the coffee bean. You knew we would need it. And see, when I sip that coffee, it tastes better. I'm a massive foodie, my wife will tell you. I love food. And I'll just, you, my wife will tell you, like, I'll just start praising God when I'm eating. I'll be like, Lord, thank you for food. Thank you that we live in a day where I get to try Thai food, Indian food, Chinese food. Praise God it's not 100 years ago where it just got spuds and a whack of pork and cabbage. <laughs> which is pretty good too, by the way. And it brings life alive when you start to praise God with thanksgiving. And the Bible says that we enter his presence. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. You want to start feeling. You want to start interacting with God more. Praise him anyway. I'm telling you, God is into it. There's a whole other sermon I could preach on coming into church and lifting hands. And, and there's, there's, if you're into that sort of stuff, into theology, there's a sermon called Yod and Kabod by Nathan Finocchio. He's one of my favorite theologians. You can check it out on YouTube. It's all about why we come into church and praise God. He would preach it way better than me. But pretty much the, the short of it is God is into it. God wants us to come in and lift our hands in church and praise him. It makes him happy. He, you, the Bible actually says that we minister to God when we do that. Have you thought about that? So like the Holy Spirit ministers to you, you get to come into church, lift your hands and praise God. And as a holy priesthood, we get to minister to God. That is a beautiful thought. So you'll see me, even when I'm having the roughest week, even if I don't know the song, I at least get a hand up. And I don't do it just for the sake of it. I bring my soul to the party. I don't not bring me. I tell myself off and I go, praise the Lord, Ryan. Praise him. Get your hand up, because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be the man you are. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be where you are today. Praise the Lord, whether you feel like it or not. It's worth it. I should. And I love that thought that I get to minister to the Lord. We get to minister to the Lord when we praise. Everybody say, I'll praise him anyway. Come on, number two. You got to pray anyway. I don't know about you, when I have a stressful situation, this is me, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm walking about, I'm freaking out, like, I'm hiding, I'm drinking coffee, I'm eating comfort food. The last thing I think to do is pray. Even when I was coming here today, I had to remind myself, Ryan, you're preaching on pray anyway, like, maybe, like, pray. <laughs> I made sure I had a moment at the front in worship where I got on my knees and prayed. I'm like, do it anyway, you're about to preach it. Because that's what Jesus done when he felt the weight of the sin of the world. He went, and he'd done it privately. He went, guys, stay here. I need you to pray for me, but I'm going to go here, and I'm going to pray. No, it might sound simple, but how often is it the last thing we think to do? 
And I know maybe some of you in here are going, yeah, Ryan, that's great, but I prayed for so many things over the years you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe. And sometimes I just feel like I can't begin to pray anymore. Still got a bit of time, that's good. Um, another quick story. A few years before my granny passed away, she was really ill in London. So I was looking after my granda. Me and my cousins would take turns. He lived in just under the Tates Avenue Bridge in off Lisburn Road. So I would go down, stay over. My granda like had one arm, one leg, could barely walk. Like had like two heart attacks, had been resuscitated. Like, but he was one of the most joy-filled men I've ever met. It was awesome. And uh, so we were looking after him. And even in everything that he had, he always had so much joy. And so I would get the bus up to Lisburn to go to, high, to go to school and then come back and would do that trek and I kind of space it out with my cousins because my granny was literally on life support in, in London. All her bodily organs had shut down. It was the weirdest thing. She got like a blood infection, ended up being septicemia, took over her. She was, my mom had took her over for like a weekend in London and she ended up in Chelsea Hospital um, on this life support machine. And so I'm sleeping one night. My granda had to sleep downstairs because I couldn't get him up the stairs because he, he just couldn't get up the stairs. So we, we had a little bed sit downstairs. And one night I'm up and I'm sleeping and I just hear screaming, screaming. Like, I'll never forget it till the, till the day I die, screaming. And I'm like, something's happened. He's fallen out of the bed. He's hurt himself. I run down the stairs and my granda's just sitting on the edge of this wee bed just broken man, like shadow of a man. This is a man used to be 18 stone, near seven foot. <laughs> used to hear stories of how he just used to lift people. <laughs> and he's shadow of him for himself, just sitting there. And I was like, and it's weird, when I walked into that room, you felt something. I felt something. I was like, Granda, what's happening? And he just looked at me and he was crying. And he goes, I'm just screaming to God. I'm just crying out to God. I'm like, please, please heal her. And I was like, whoa. Of course that drove me to pray. I was like, because his words were, if your granny doesn't come back, I don't think I'll make it too much longer. So I was like, so that drove me, drove me to pray. No word of a lie, guys. A few days later, my granny was on a, on a plane back to NI. Everything, all their, everything just kicked back into gear. Kidneys, liver, Lungs all came back. A couple of weeks later, she was making us tea and bacon and egg in a cup like she was <laughs> like nothing had ever happened. And as a young teenager, that done something in me. I still wasn't a Christian, but I'll never, ever forget that I believe prayer can work. Sometimes we don't get what we ask for, and there's reason for that. Some of it we'll have to find out till heaven. But that moment has forever changed me. I will always pray anyway. Always. I read that Moses changed God's mind. My gosh. Theologically wrap your head around that. That's definitely not one for the rest of this sermon. We'll come back to that. I'll leave here. Phil, that's you, bro. You can pick that one up. God changed, or sorry, Moses changed God's mind. Elijah called fire down from heaven. Jesus prayed twice, was strengthened by an angel. They're all actually different situations. Because when you pray, though you might not get what you want, there's always the potential that you'll see God move. Or you'll hear him speak. 
Because the primary reason for prayer is relationship, really. To hang out, have a chat, get to know God, see what, he, see what he's up to. <laughs> He'll strengthen you. Because we read that although he wouldn't take the cup from Jesus, he sent angels to strengthen him to be able to fulfill what God had called him to do. Or he'll remind you of what he's already told you previously. So I just know when I don't feel like praying, I pray anyway. When my, my little daughter, like even in the middle of the night, it's only been two months, but when I'm up, when I'm, my wife does way more than me, by the way, I'm, I'm making it sound like I'm, sl- I'm like, oh, you know, middle of the night. Like, when I'm up in the middle of the night and, you know, and I have a moment with her, I put my hand on her, on her I grab her wee hand and I, I pray. I have like, even if it's 10 seconds, I'm like, Lord, fill her, Lord, would she know you at this age, Lord? I pray anyway, like, screw not praying. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to not pray. Prayer has changed my life, and even when I don't feel like it, even when you don't feel like it, we need to pray anyway, just like Jesus. Because God's either going to move and do something like he done for my granny, or he's going to speak to you and just be like, son, daughter, it's all right, I got you. Or he's going to strengthen you. He's going to send angels like he did to Jesus and be like, I can't take this away, but I'm with you through it. Or he's going to remind you of what he's already done for you in the past. Everybody say you got to pray anyway. Okay, last point, and I'm starting to bring this home. Do his will anyway. Do his will anyway. I think when we think about the will of God, sometimes we think about the big stuff. I know you hear a lot of preachers be like, you know, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be up here. To be honest, who cares? <laughs> Anyone can do this. There's multiple people in here could do this. There's multiple people across Northern Ireland could do this. Some really mean people I have met do this. Just being honest. I don't really care about what happens here. Though it's important, I'm not taking away from the call of the ministry, but the will of God, and I love Phil, you said it a few weeks back, it just solidified that we were meant to be here because it's been what God has been doing in our life since we've been here. Phil said this awesome quote, the will of God is more about, is less about what you do and where you go and more about who you become. That's what God's all about. God's got a host of people that can do stuff for him. We get to do it. It's part, of, it's, part of the, it's part of how he rolls. Like He does stuff in us and he does stuff through us. I get it. But if we are doing all the doing and we're not being transformed in here, we're missing something. That's, that's, the, that's the gold, man. When I look back in 10 years of walking with the Lord, from there to there, it's like, God, how, do you, how did you do that? I'm not talking about like getting to preach. How did you do that in here? How am I thinking this way now? How am I feeling this way now? It's all through doing the little things that God asks us. I want to ask you a question. Do you think Jesus regretted going to the cross? It's not a trick question. Do you think Jesus regretted it after doing the will of God? Of course he didn't regret it. He looks in this room today and he's so happy. He's filled with joy. It says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy set before him, 
he endured the cross. I love that thought because when I read Hebrews 12, I think of of Jesus kind of like in Gethsemane praying that. And I think about the Lord sent the angel and he's feeling strengthened. But I just picture him picturing us, picturing me, picturing you, picturing this room, picturing churches all over the world. And I just picture him feeling joy and getting up and doing the will of God anyway. Church, can I tell you something honestly? I've never, ever once regretted doing the will of God. Probably at least 99% of the times I've regretted not doing the will of God. And I'm talking about the wee things. Because the wee things add up to a big thing. I'm talking about when the door is closed. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about all the other stuff. I want to encourage you. You'll never regret it. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's you're texting the person you shouldn't be. (laughs) Maybe it's the bottle gets cracked behind closed doors and no one has to know. Maybe it's a few different things. I'm not sure. Maybe it's your thinking. Maybe it's your focus. And the Holy Spirit's just niggling, just going, come on. Do, the will, do, do my will anyway. I've had so many moments where I've been like, ah, oh, I just want to do this. And I go, you know what? Screw it. God, I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to stay. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to engage with that. And maybe in the moment, your flesh is like, you idiot. Do it. You only live once. Actually, as Christians, we believe you live twice. So uh, phrase doesn't really work. And maybe you just have to have a moment where you're like, you know what? Everything in me wants to do that. But Lord, I praise you. I get on my knees. I'm praying. Father, help. And I'm going to do your will anyway. And I promise you, maybe in the moment it'll be hard. But the next day, a few hours later, you'll not regret it. And we do that enough, guys, over time. And of course, the Holy Spirit's there to help. Of course, the grace of God is bigger than any mistake we could make. Of course. That goes without saying. That's the foundation. So long, if we, if we do fall, I love the phrase. I think it was Spurgeon or Tozer. I'm not sure. If you fall a thousand times in one day, keep getting up and running back. Luke 15 tells us that anytime we turn from our sin, our stupidity, our rebellion against God, that the Father's waiting there with open arms. The grace of God is always there to welcome you home. But come on, we have a part to play too. And there's power in it. You want to tick the enemy off? When everything's going on, praise God anyway. Pray anyway. Do the will of God anyway. And like CrossFit, like the gym, like whatever it is, you do it enough. You may not feel like it enough, but I'm telling you, as the weeks, as the months go on, you'll watch the redemptive power of God change you from the inside out. You'll watch the Holy Spirit strengthen you as you go. You'll hear the voice of God encouraging you as you walk in it. And you you get an awesome church family to support you and cheer you on as you do it. Everybody say, do his will anyway. Come on. As I wrap up, 
Hebrews 12, 1, 1 to 3, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I always include that when I'm preaching the gospel because I think it's so important. Because if you're in here today and you don't know the Lord, 2,000 years ago, he was on his knees in a garden. He was praying. He wasn't vibing it. He wasn't feeling it. And for the joy set before him, he got up. That's you. That's you. That's me. And I don't know where you're at with God. But because of what he'd done on that cross, like we said earlier, if you respond in faith, it says in Romans 10 verses 9, that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you're in here today and that's you, God's been on your case for a while and you know you need to just do it anyway. You're the person I'm talking to in this moment. The gospel says that because Jesus got up off that floor, because he saw us, he saw you, and he went and he gave his life and was raised three days later, that he's paved the way for just your heart to go, Lord, I believe I'm in that you can enter a relationship with God. You can be restored. It says in 1 John that this is love. Not that we love God first. As in, not that you needed to get your life all right, get all your ducks in a row, tick all your boxes before that you could get right with God. Tradition has taught us that. No matter what your background is here in Northern Ireland, tradition on Protestant and Catholic sides has taught us that, that you need to get things right. No, no, the gospel is so much more beautiful than that. It's that he loved you first. He got up off the floor. And it says in 1 John this, that this is love. Not that we love God first, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. Sin is a heavy word. It's been made a heavy word. Let me simplify it. Sin just means missing the mark. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.